Welcome everyone to this spotlight episode of Destination Everywhere. It's a spotlight because we are doing a spotlight with one of the industry's top hoteliers. And we are so excited to have Michael Dominguez from Alhai here. And we're going to be discussing with Mike today what's new and exciting at hotels around the world. And there's probably no one else in the world that knows because Mike's got his pulse on all the hotels all around the world because he is the president and CEO of Alhai. And he has been in global sales and marketing and representing Alhai. And they really have the finest luxury resorts, right, Mike? Around the world, just incredible. And they also have cruise lines and destination management companies. So they're a great resource for all of our meeting planners out there. He's one of the most influential voices within the travel and hospitality industries. And in 2019, he was inducted into the Event Industry Council's prestigious Hall of Leaders. So congratulations. So Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Andy. And, and you know, it's truly with Associated Luxury Hotels being global, we represent the, I always say, the independent voice of our industry because it's the independent hotels, the independent hotel companies that we get to see. And that kind of, to me, finishes the puzzle because, you know, we'll hear from the large chains often and we, and we get to read about with their research and their reach, what is happening. And then there's these other pieces that really give us what I always say, they're the pockets of our industry, but excited to be here and excited to talk to you about everything that's going on. Yeah, there's so much going on. And I know you've been traveling extensively over the last 10 months or so, even with, with the pandemic to all the great hotels that you guys represent. Tell us what you're seeing out there. Like, what's the buzz? Where are you seeing activities? And, and what's the store for our listeners? It's interesting. I started traveling in July, and this is my 40th plus trip since July of 2020. I was getting tested twice a week, even though I was traveling every week. And I told people at one time, people were like, I'm not being a martyr. I truly believed in the travel protocols that were being put in place between air travel and our hotel partners that I could travel and travel safely. And I can tell you the dynamics are so different. You know, traveling, interesting between July and December, everything was literally south, southeast, as far as, and and a little bit of the southwest, as far as where I could travel, because our country was so locked down in pockets. And what I'm finding right now is, you know, it's nice to see that we're opening up quickly And I think one of the most important things for people to understand, the meeting planning community specifically, they're trying to plan meetings for Q4 of this year into 22, and they're asking questions about the environment we're currently in, and it's changing so quickly. I'm a firm believer within four to six weeks, some of the things we're discussing about a non-starter. Tell us about some of your favorite new hotels that you're representing and why you love them. I know you've been traveling a lot and seeing some of them. Tell me about them. You know what? I don't know if it's the new as far as everything seems new to me when I haven't seen it. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. And, and I mean that sincerely, but what I love is, that, and I think this is the important part, is that the hotels, me coming back into the independent spirit, I like to say, I think the independent hotels are still about hospitality. The larger chains and brands today have very much become real estate companies. And that is not a criticism. They have tremendous successful business models. It's just different. It is different, yeah. It's different that the reasons they're in it. And you know what I'm loving when I'm experiencing things, it's it's the hospitality. It's the special touches. It's the local education I get, you know, at night in your turndown when you still have turndown service. You know, it's those yeah. little moments that I'm really enjoying. But I'm finding a lot of, you know, we've added quite a few new hotels recently. We In, in all of this, Andy, I think one of the coolest things we added another collection. So we have collections of hotels yep. overall, and we added what we call the centric collection. And these are 
not necessarily always playing in the luxury uh, box. They, they're, they're a step down as far as they have a little more flexibility than high-end luxury and a specific a rate perspective, but they're independent, big boxes. And we've added an entire new collection in the middle of this pandemic. And Caribe Royale in Florida was you know, one of the first to come on board with us. Mystic Lakes outside of Minnesota has just come on board with us. The town and country in California, it is not your dad's town and country after a $100 million renovation. It looks fantastic. It is amazing. And it's, it is this, that mid-modern look and feel. Okay. But very modern. Now, where is that outside of California? It's San Diego. It's San Diego. Okay. Yep. And you know what I love about these boxes that we're bringing in? When I say they're boxes, it's 200,000 square feet of meeting space. And for our meeting planning community, that space is going to be at a premium right now. It is nice to have these on board. And we're finding that there is something for everyone. And that's what we've tried to complete as far as our portfolio. Are you seeing that mid-century modern look happen a lot That on the remodels? Is that the new hot thing? It really is. I just saw PGA National and they're halfway through a complete reinvention. It is not a renovation. They're reinventing what they've done and they are going to this mid-modern look. And when I say mid-modern, it's so different than any mid-modern I've seen in both hotels because I would focus on the modern, but but that mid-century modern is literally looking at color schemes and some of the retro feel that we felt in the 60s. Nice. But with a really modern, elegant look. Sometimes that mid-century modern, it still felt old and it was a little, little bit of a different way. To, I'm not feeling that in these hotels. They are, and I'll give you an example, town and country, when you walk in and it's wood flooring, all the way through, no carpeting, but the look and feel of some. I love having a regular record player and actually albums that are in there that are everything from Aerosmith to an old Elvis album that you literally can play in your room if you want to. It's just some really cool touches that bring back a little bit of nostalgia, but still a really modern look and feel. And it's like PGA National, what they are putting together is just phenomenal because it's that look and feel. And I got to see it. They're not done yet. But what I got to see was really an elegant mid-century modern that was kind of funky in a, in a couple of ways, like a couch almost having an S-shaped couch oh, nice. in the section of the room that's just a little bit different. Even the lighting fixture is very modern, but you can tell it has a look that would fit into the 1960s. It just has a really elegant look. And I like that people are getting back to a feel about the hotels. And again, in the independent space specifically, I think they have that flexibility to be able to do that. Well, thanks for making recommendations on both coasts. So that's great. So we really appreciate <laughs> it. So on, on these remodels, you're probably seeing new technologies as well, right? So tell us about the new technologies that you're seeing in the hotel space from uh, for the consumer. I know, I know that there's been a lot of changes over the course of the last year and a half, but moving forward in those remodels, you're probably seeing even more really unique things. Give us some examples of what our listeners can see at the, at the, at these new hotels. I wouldn't overthink the technology. You know, the one thing I've I've talked about is over the last year, all we have done is fast forward a technology adoption curve. And what I do think is it's becoming more prevalent, Andy, which I'm excited about. I don't know if we would ever get there quickly because you know I just did a presentation last week, and one of the comments I made was, "It's not that we didn't have this technology; you never wanted to adopt it." And the crowd laughs and I'm like, I'm not kidding. I'm not going to use a QR code for my menu. I want a menu. I'm not going to use mobile check-in because I don't want, I'm scared of the technology. I don't want to try it. I'm worried about a mobile key. Is somebody going to hack my phone? It was all of those pieces. And if there's any yeah. silver lining of this time frame, we have forced the consumer 
to get comfortable with some of this technology and we're finding better adoption. And I think the one thing that's going to stick around, make everybody's life easier, your restaurant, using a QR code in any restaurant now, in most of those processes, you can even pay for your check without. Yeah, it's just the norm now, right? It's, it's the norm. You, when you walk into a restaurant in general, you're just used to it, right? And it's no different than signing it to your room. But now you have the flexibility to do it right away and right on your mobile app. It's really great. Exactly. And, and, and that is my point. That And you know what that does do? It speeds up efficiency. It's going to be better for service long term. The one thing that takes a little bit of time from the waiter and waitress to help you with, and the one thing that you end up waiting for is usually the check at the end. Yes. Now, to know that you can close out, uh, finish that out while the waiter is still taking care of somebody else, that helps on the service side of it. It helps you on your experience side of it because you get what you want and everybody wins in those situations. And if there's anything that I think we should be talking about is from a sustainability standpoint, we should be ex excited about some of these technologies. The fact that we have lost our directories in guest rooms and they're never coming back. The fact that we've now forced you to look at through TV for your room service menu is a good thing. That's been around Andy for time, a long time, but we still had people that wanted to see a printed menu because they didn't want to go through the complexity of trying to figure out where do they find it. Now you're seeing QR codes, you can just hit it, do it on your phone, or you can look at it on your TV. That is not only good for the experience, it's gonna be outstanding, outstanding from a sustainability standpoint. The amount of paper that we used to have to print, reproduce often throughout the year. It's staggering, right? It is. Yeah, it really is. And think about the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hotel rooms. Yeah, How yeah. Much paper that is, we are going to be saving a lot from sustainability. That's fantastic. And that's, so not just the restaurants, but the hotel rooms themselves, like all the, the, the menus inside the hotel rooms. Our listeners can expect not to see those anymore. It'll be on your mobile phone. You'll be able to just jump, hit a QR code. It's really funny about QR codes. It kind of went out of fashion. You know, no one ever you're like really used them, like you said. And all of a sudden now they're like the, the it thing, right? It's a technology that was there, but no one just picked up, right? Nobody wanted to use them, and today everybody does. And and I, I'd probably be remiss if I didn't mention the availability around valet and getting your car and knowing that that's automated today with simple text messages. Uh, that's great. That's a great point, right? Great. That's great. So simple because we all know we go down, got to get your ticket. It's going to take a little bit of time. You got to wait for you to be able to text, I'm on my way down knowing that they're getting the car while you're working your way down to the to the area. It just speeds things up all the way around. In all your travels over the last year, have you seen that just it's commonplace now everywhere? Without a doubt, without okay. a doubt. And it's becoming more and more prevalent. And what I'm seeing in more hotels as well is as soon as you get there, and I'm sure there are chatbots, but they're literally asking you, what do you need? And any request you have, and I've actually used them at times, you know, but any request you're looking at, it's quickly getting to where it needs to be, getting deployed. And that is much quicker than trying to clog a, P a PBX operator that's still trying to answer the phone or do something else within the hotel. Yeah, I noticed that too, that the bots are becoming really mainstay. And you know, most of the questions can be answered, right? 80 to 90% of them can be answered with a bot. You get the information and, and people are, you know, people love the tech, so it, it works. This episode is brought to you by AMI. Need help discovering that next destination for your group or meeting? Then go to AmericanMeetings.com and click on Destinations.
Ike, if you don't mind, can we just jump back to restaurants for a second? Because I'm a foodie and I'm always looking for the coolest, hottest new restaurants that are around. Do you know any that you've seen over the last year in your travels that you had just a really, really great meal that you'd like to let us know about? I'm going to go a little further back, but like there's certain chefs that I, I am really fascinated with their concepts. And one is Chef Akira. He's a Michelin star chef from Korea, but Akira has been in the sushi world for a long period of time, has Yellowtail at Bellagio, Kumi at Mandalay Bay, but he's opened up Akira Buck Steakhouses, one that opened up in Beverly Hills. And we were so excited. We were going to do a client event. And I still remember it because it was going to be March 6th of 2020. Oh, goodness. Yeah. They had just opened. And then that shut down. But what I love is his passion around the food is one of the most creative and inventive that uh, inventive people that I have ever seen as far as around that type of cuisine. Studied under Morimoto at one time. So, I mean, Fantastic. really, really great. And then I'm a huge Michael Mina fan. And I think what he does with seafood and steak and my all-time favorite, and I can tell you, I'm going back to uh, Vegas this week because I'm going to be there for a show that I'm speaking at. And of course, my hands down, I have to do this and my wife will be with me. But Michael Mina's at Bellagio, which is just his namesake. It, it started in San Francisco. He has the one in Bellagio. It's probably the one you wouldn't know about unless you know about it because it's in the conservatory. It is still the best experience, hands down, for me because we really enjoy it. And this goes back to you being a foodie. It's not just the food, but I can tell you there's a couple of things. They have a tuna tartare that is his take on a tuna pokey. Oh, nice. But it is literally this sushi-grade tuna that is bound with a quail egg on ancho chili powder, almonds, and, or I'm sorry, pine nuts and pears. You got my mouth watering. (laughs) (laughs) I think that Mike's restaurant there, I don't think I had that though, but it's been about two years. So I'll have to go back when I'm in Vegas. And the phyllo crusted Dover sole is the most amazing thing you'll ever eat. And it's one of his specialties. It's only in that restaurant. And that's one of the reasons we go back. And we're probably the most boring people for that restaurant because they go through the whole menu and everything else they're doing <laughs> with the new fish. Like, like, yeah. And phyllo crusted Dover sole. And they literally have a caviar parfait that is the most evil thing you will ever eat. <laughs> and you just wish you could get more of it. But it literally has a layer of your caviar, and then it has a layer of cheese and a layer of salmon, another layer of cheese, and it's served on a very small, crunchy potato cake. Okay, so just one more, so one more time, that, that's at the uh, at Mike's in the Bellagio, right? That is Bellagio, that's Michael Mina's, and, and again, I'm kind of sticking to chefs, and I'd be uh, mistaken if I didn't say anything that Serrano touches as well, I kind of go to, and he has so many different types of cuisine. But those chefs, I think, do it really well. And I think what's unique about a Amina and an Akira and a Serrano specifically, they're not only famous and known chefs, they still cook every day. I think it's a great suggestion for our listeners is to not necessarily focus on the restaurant, focus on the chef. So if you like a chef or a restaurant in one city, see if he's going to be in the city that you're going to. It's a great suggestion. All right. Speaking of just kind of new and different, tell us about up and coming regions. So either up and coming cities that you're seeing that have really cool hotels or renaissances, or you're seeing old hotels in some cities coming up. What's out there and what regions are you seeing that are really, that people are just starting to talk about? I'll talk about regions and then hotels too, because from a region's perspective, what's really interesting is some of what we used to classify the second tier cities are just exploding. 
And what we've seen, for instance, in Kansas City, St. Louis, and Oklahoma City, which would surprise most people, what they have done as far as investment and creating a full experience in that in those areas and the Omni Oklahoma City just opened. It is one of the more stunning hotels that you will ever experience. And they're one of our new member partners. That's great. It is still brand new. I think about the same thing when we look at Kansas City. Yeah. We have some new properties there as well. And it's such a great city, right? Such a such a beautiful town, right? And people don't talk about Kansas City and how gorgeous it is. And it's nice to hear that there's some really nice choices for hotels that are up and coming. We are a strategic partner with Sinesta Hotels, and they're the fastest growing hotel company in the world because of overnight, they went to 1,200 hotels from the few hotels they've had. And the cliffs in San Francisco that they had spent $100 million completely reinventing, it opened up right when we're shutting down the country. So basically, it's a brand new hotel. But you're talking about an older historic hotel yeah, completely modernized and nobody's in. Nobody's in it yet. And I, I think that's going to be a wonderful experience. Great. Not to choose favorites, though. We're going to wrap up with this question. Is there a destination that you like to go personally with you and your family over and over again that's really, really special to you that we like to ask, you know, our experts in the, in the hospitality industry this so people know kind of the special places, maybe the, the hidden gems? Hands down, like for me, personally, and it's the one place we go multiple times a year if we can, it is Maui. There's something magical about the island. It is the one place, Andy, I mean, people that know me, I run 100 miles an hour. It is the one place I unplug. It is the one place I slow down. And I don't need it for seven days. I need it for three to four days. And there's just something magical about that, not only the scenery, and there's something about the people. And the only place I can even get a close comparison to, and I'll put them head to head, I get the same experience from the people that serve me in Mexico as I do in the islands. There is something about their passion and authenticity about the hospitality service of the people there because everybody in certain destinations, you go to Cancun, it's all tourism jobs. You go to Hawaii, they're all tourism jobs. And there's a passion about that delivery of service that I I sometimes think is probably underappreciated. Because that does make the experience that it does feel like family when they're telling you that you are part of their family. And it feels that way to me. Those are the only two destinations that I can say that are pretty comparable, the service experience that way. Well, thank you for that recommendation. I would agree with you about Maui. If you you haven't been there, you got to go. So, Mike, thanks for your time today. Where can listeners connect with you and Al High? and know what's going on and seeing all your great properties. Alhide.com, we made it real simple. And if they come to our website, one of the things, Andy, is that we have really focused over the last year, we rebuilt all of it, not only to be able to navigate, but to make sure that the information you need from the industry that is very pertinent, and you you said this, I'm always trying to keep people updated on the industry. It all lives there. Mike, thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us today. If you're listening, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us. We really appreciate it. I'm on your favorite preferred podcast app or business at destination-everywhere.com and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at Destination Everywhere Podcast. And Mike, thanks again. And we look forward to seeing you soon at an industry event and stay safe out there. Safe travels, everybody. 